Confused by finances, investing, estate and retirement planning? Well, we went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances And with Kathy and Norma. Welcome to Finances And, intro to stocks and bonds. We went to school so you don't have to. I'm Norma and I'm here with Kathy. Today we wanted to talk about stocks, bonds, ETFs, which we'll outline in a few minutes, mutual funds, T-bills, what they are and how to choose them. So I recently started investing in the stock market. I'm kind of dipping my toe in little by little. And with the volatility of what's going on right now, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just really afraid to, to do more than one or two at a time. I'm learning. I learned a lot during my coursework, but obviously implementing is a completely different thing. I also started fairly recently, I would say like three or four years ago, but there's always something to learn. And I, what I think I like most about it is that it's the kind of thing where you spend your money on it and then you just forget about it. So that's an easy thing to do, just forgetting about something. So what is the stock market? Stock market refers to either the market indexes, and you've probably heard of these, the Dow Jones Industrial, the Standard & Poor's 500, or the NASDAQ. And all they're doing is measuring some of the available stocks, or really a subset of all the stocks that we have in the United States. The Dow Jones is the oldest subset of that. Standard & Poor's measures the 500 largest capital, so the biggest money-making companies. And the NASDAQ tends to focus on technology. They, again, are just representing the stocks available because it would be almost impossible to say to measure all the stocks that are available in the United States. When we talk about those markets moving up and down, it has to do with as a whole, if that group of stocks has lost or gained money for the day. It's sort of like an auction system where people will bid on stocks and the same time people are selling their stocks and whatever you're willing to pay, are they willing to accept in, in trade for that stock? And the bid is the highest amount someone's willing to pay and the ask is the selling price. So by selling parts of their company, which is what is happening on the stock market, the companies are providing money so that they can expand their company so that they have money to spend and they're avoiding their own company's debt. They're borrowing your money to use to spend on the company. That way it gives investors the opportunity to share in the profits of publicly traded companies. You get money back in two ways. One is the dividends, which is a small part that you are paid, which is a share of your stock, or when you actually sell your stock. If you buy it at $10, sell it at $20, you've made your profit of $10. One of the things I think is tricky, at least just because I wasn't aware of what they were, is the difference between a bull market and a bear market. I've always felt like they should just say if it's going up or down, why do we have to have these animals? But I finally figured out a way to remember for myself. Both of those animals fight in different ways. One, the bull throws his head up with his horns trying to attack and the bear swipes down at his attacker. So when it's a bull market, the market is going up. And when it's a bear market, the stock prices are going down. Did you know that? I did not. <laughs> I'd say probably you did. But <laughs> Although I, I was helping someone with science homework last night and I flat out said, this is not... <laughs> my topic at all <laughs> gotcha he said he was gonna have his sister help him just kind of side note just no the animal thing is is great but he said he was gonna have his sister help him because she's been to school as well went to school too I just <laughs> gravitate to science <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm pretty jazzed. I remember now, actually. <laughs> so how to pick stocks? Again, as I said before, I'm, re- I'm just starting. But the one thing you do want to do is create a watch list. And by watch list, I mean, you choose a choose a stock, choose a company and just start seeing, does it go up? Does it go down? What's affecting that particular stock? Personally, I'm watching Google. I, I bought Amazon not too long ago and actually it's doing really well compared to when I bought it. But Google, I didn't even, it just didn't even enter my mind. And now I'm watching it and I'm realizing I probably should have picked at least one up of, of Google. But anyway, you, you just create your watch list and you just you just see, is it going up? Is it going down? Is this something I want to invest in? Maybe choose a product that you use. Do you use Johnson & Johnson? Do you use, you know, do you drink Pepsi? Or do you drink Coke? You know, things like that. And just maybe invest in the products that you rely on. There's also socially responsible investing. This is where you invest in companies that are working to better our environment, energy wise, water wise, that have maybe women on their board, that maybe have minorities on their board. Whatever your cause is, that's another way to choose a stock. And lastly, I feel like choose your investment aunt or uncle. So personally, I tend to follow Jim Cramer. Jim Cramer, he does mad money and he just he he's very animated and and can understand what he's saying. And I I see that he does pretty well as far as making great predictions, because that's really ultimately what investing in the stock market is. You're you're predicting you're gambling. You are saying, I think you're going to do well. So I'm going to put my money in you. There's also Motley Fool. They provide a lot of great investment advice. Now, the one thing I found interesting in trying to research for this particular topic is that when I tried to find my investment aunt, I really couldn't find one. So I really couldn't find women. And I, and I challenge maybe our listeners to give me an aunt. I want an aunt. I love my uncles, but I want an aunt. I could not, you know, I found some female investors in general, for example, Barbara Corcoran, you know, she's a real estate investor and an entrepreneurial investor, but I really couldn't find that stock investor that could give me great advice from a, you know, with maybe a female perspective, or at least just coming from a female. So you also want to understand your risk, your level of risk and decide what's appropriate for your level of risk. And you want to just stick to your strategy. And that's really the bottom line. Whatever strategy you have, just stick to it. If it's a product that you're using, if it's a watch, if it's going up and down, if it's, you know, just keep an eye on the news, whatever it is, as long as you're consistent, that's the right way. There, so the point is, there is no right way. Your way is the right way. So how do you even buy stocks? One of the things that I recommend is looking at NerdWallet, which has an article called the 10 best online stock brokers for beginners of 2020. And I think looking at that date is uh, important, right? You don't want to get the best stock brokers of the 1940s. You want to look at some kind of individual broker like Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade. Any of those are good. There's many more listed as well. You're going to need to give them some of your money. You can open your account with no money whatsoever, but you'll need to put some money in there. And that's the money that you're going to start to slowly grow. If you only have a little $10, $15, then you're probably going to not be buying any stocks immediately, but at least that money's in the account and you can continue to add to it. Once you have money to pay for whichever stock or many stocks that you would like, you're going to choose your stocks. You're going to let them know how many shares you want to buy. You're going to place your order and then you're going to leave it alone. The idea of investing is to leave it alone. Unless you feel like you know how to time the market and get in and out of things, 
which I do not. I want to just buy something that I believe in. Norma said, pick a company that you believe in. Coke versus Pepsi. I only drink Diet Coke, so I didn't buy Pepsi. So things like that, that you, whatever your thinking is about what products you use. She said to do research. That's exactly right. You want to start looking at which companies look like they're going up, but past performance is not indicative of future returns. So we need to make sure that you're you're aware of what it is you're buying and try to realize that you might be making some losses as well. Not, no, not might be. You will be making some losses as well. She mentioned Motley Fool. I personally love Motley Fool Answers and Motley Fool Money. I actually had the pleasure of being on Motley Fool Answers one time. So that's definitely a soft spot in my heart because I think that they give great advice, but it's a lot of fun to listen to them as well. That's how you would purchase stocks. Bonds, on the other hand, are different. A stock is a part of a company where a bond is actually something that you're purchasing either from a company, but often from a government entity of some kind, your state or local government. It is called a fixed income investment. And what that means is you are guaranteed a return. Unlike stocks, you're going to get whatever you get, whatever the market will bear when you go to sell it. But this has a guaranteed return. But because of that, it's generally a lower return than you could get on the stock market. The person that you're lending your money to, your government, your local government, your state government or or a company is saying to you, we'd like to borrow your money and we'll give you a percentage back. So for example, your municipality or your government might say, hey, we would like to build new schools. In that case, they're opening up bonds that you're purchasing. They're going to use that money to build the school. And in the meantime, you have the backing of that entity, the state or local government. There is an end date to a bond. And when they repay you is called the maturity date. The weirdest thing is that when bonds go up, stocks are down. That's called inversely correlated. So in a time right now where stocks are up and down constantly, the idea of buying bonds is a good strategy because that's going to stay consistent. When the stock market is just rising, 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 bonds are not. And so then they don't seem as good an investment opportunity. But the reality is you want to have both of those because just like anytime the stock market's open, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to go up and down. Governments might sell you bonds for roads, schools, dams, any other kind of infrastructure. Your county might buy, sell you it for property or equipment that they want to buy. But again, they don't want to have to spend their own money on. The initial price of a bond is called the par, and it's usually either $100 or $1,000 face value. But the actual market price will depend on factors like the quality of the person who's or the entity that's selling it. Are they going to qualify for actually repaying it? The length of time, you're going to make more interest if you give them your money for a longer period of time than if you only give it to them for a short period of time. And the general interest rate at the time that the government is suggesting. So all of those things are factors that are going to determine how much you're going to get an interest. There are two kinds of bonds. One is called a zero coupon bond, and it means that there is a face value to it. And you're buying that bond below face value. So if the face value is $100, you might only spend $80 to buy it. But when you're repaid, you're going to be paid on the $100. So that's where you're making up your difference and making your profit. The other is called a convertible bond, which allows bondholders to convert to stock later if they would like, if there's a stock involved with a company, and then they can go to a certain, you would have that value at a certain price. 
So what's the benefits and the negatives of bonds? The positive is that you're going to receive payments throughout your bond ownership. You're going to hold it to maturity and you're going to get your money back out of the bond. And you could profit if you're able to sell the bond at an even higher price if there's a greater need for it. But the negatives are that bonds pay out less than stocks, that companies could default if you're with a company or an organization. So again, that's up to you to research to make sure you're you're working with somebody who's not just now starting selling bonds. And the bond yield, which is the amount it's giving out, the percentage could fall and you may not be able to resell your bond at a higher price. So Stocks and bonds have their risks. One is a little more sure than the other, but one gives you a higher return on your profit. So what's an ETF? An ETF stands for an exchange traded fund. This is basically a collection of, you know, sometimes thousands of stocks and bonds in a in one fund. And it allows you to diversify. So it basically allows you to own a lot of different things for not as much money as if you had to buy those individually. So why would you want this instead of a stock or a bond? It's because it's less risky. So as I just stated, it's it's a collection. You've got a lot. And with the law of averages, it means that if one goes down, you know, they're not all going to go down. And so your your average risk is not going to be as high. It's also less work. So basically, you you pick a fund. And you don't have to figure out what's going on with Amazon today. What's going on with Pepsi today? You literally just look at that one fund and you're able to see how everything is doing as it relates to each other. Now, why would you want to buy this instead of a mutual fund? Now, Kathy's going to go over mutual funds in a minute, but basically they're very similar. They're lower investment minimums. So as I just stated, you're going to have a lot and you're not going to pay as much as if you got them individually. The similarities between an ETF and mutual funds are, just as she said, it's a basket or a collection of different kinds of stocks and bonds. Just like when you're deciding what to eat, like a food pyramid, that you got to have those fruits and veggies and grains. You're not going to just eat your favorite food. So the idea of the mutual fund or ETF is that there's a whole bunch of things in that basket. So that way, when your stocks go up and your bonds go down, you still have many of those things. You're not thinking to yourself, I'm not an investor. Someone else is making these choices for me. It provides you with a wide variety of investments. You are going to be using in a mutual fund, though, a portfolio manager. And what that means is that they're looking at that portfolio of stocks or bonds and deciding what they should take in and what they should put out. Unlike what we were saying about our own personal stocks, when you buy them, you leave them be. This person is managing it. Now, having said that, what that means is that there are a lot of fees for a mutual fund. You could pay fees when you buy it. You could pay fees when you sell it. You could pay fees for their portfolio management every year. You just have to be careful that you're not paying too much in fees. So you're going to have to do research how much the fees are for each individual mutual fund you're interested in. Because even paying 1% can start to really eat up your profits if you're only making a small amount in profits. ETFs don't charge these. ETFs are just that bundle of stocks and bonds. And so it's easier to make money on them, but they're not being as specifically managed as a mutual fund is. The Balance has a great article on mutual fund fees if you're interested more about that. So now a T-bill. A T-bill is a treasury bill. It's a short-term U.S. government debt obligation, and it's backed by the Treasury Department. The maturity is one year or less. So this is a great short-term investment. They're safe because they're issued and backed by the U.S. government. And what happens is you pay, you're assigned a specific face value. So let's just say your face value is $1,000. 
but you can purchase it for less than that amount. So let's just say you're allowed to purchase it for $900 and that, that's probably never going to be the case. But let's just say you, you purchase it for $900. That amount is called the discount rate. So now when that matures, you're actually given back the $1,000. So you've made your initial investment of $900 plus the $100 profit. The advantage of this is that there's no risk and that you can invest small investment amounts. And again, the advantage is that it's short term. So if you just have some money that you know you're going to need in you know a year and a half or two years and you just want to make a little more than what you would in a regular savings account, a T-bill is a great way to have that short term investment to make a profit. So an IPO is an initial public offering. And what that means is that when companies want to raise money and move from private to public, they raise funds from investors and investors are allowed to be a part of this, again, initial public offering where they offer shares for new stock issuance. So this is a great time to invest in a company when they're first Again, come, you know, becoming public, not starting out, but becoming public and you kind of go along for the ride with them. I know I had actually participated in the Facebook public offering. I want to say it was $45 a share. And at that time, I, I know I said I was I really just started going into the stock market, but I, I did hold on to Facebook. Someone had mentioned that I bought it. I knew nothing about buying stocks or whatnot. I just bought it and left it there. And it's it's a lot higher right now than the 40 some odd dollars it was. But then again, not too long ago, Uber went public. And I know I've definitely lost, but I'm trying to ride that wave and see you know where that goes. Although right now it, it's really not doing too well. When you invest in an IPO, It's a risk that you're taking, but it's a vote of confidence in that business and a vote that business is going to go as far as they expect. Ooh, Facebook is 190 right now. So you did lovely. I only bought four. (laughs) (laughs) Money is money. So say thank you and walk away. I didn't want to, in my mind, I didn't want to lose more than $200 at that particular time. I, you know, I didn't, I couldn't afford to lose more than $200 at that particular time. I think actually you're pointing out a great strategy. You're saying to yourself, how much am I willing to lose? Knowing that the possibility is you could lose that money. But also you said, then I just stop looking at it. And that is the idea that you're purchasing something that you believe in and that you're willing to say, I'm not going to look at it because stressing about it doesn't help. It's going to go up and it's going to go down. Be in it for the long haul. Thanks for listening to Finances and Stocks and Bonds. We know you chose to listen today and we're grateful. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share. It means a lot to us. Please let us know what you think on Facebook or Twitter. And you can do that by going to our website at financesand.net. Finances And does not provide tax or legal advice and nothing in this podcast can be construed as such. Always consult a tax accounting or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. Remember, we went to school so you don't have to. 